Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Previously on Congo. They came across a young female. She wasn't speaking. Do you recognise this girl? Everybody loves intrigue. This had that in spades. Who is GPO girl? It was a complete scam. This girl took them in. I met Emily Skiberis in July 2011. She's a gymnast with a Russian background. Her parents had passed away in a double murder suicide. My parents offered to adopt her, but the school secretary calls my dad and says there's a problem. They think her birth certificate's been forged. Con Girl, Episode 2. Lies, Spies and Blue Bananas. Perth, Western Australia, 2011. When her family adopts orphaned gymnast Emily Skiberis, 16-year-old Hope thinks she's finally found the sister she's always wanted. But there's more to Emily than meets the eye. Hope's world is about to implode. Dad's really worried at this stage. There's a lot of alarm bells ringing. He contacts the judge in Florida and gets a hold of his receptionist, who then tells him that the judge hasn't emailed Australia in three years. So at this point, everything's falling apart. The birth certificates are forgery. The judge hasn't contacted Australia in three years. The Perth lawyer, he had a PI investigate her, because obviously if someone turns up on your doorstep saying that they're your daughter, you probably want to do a bit of background research into it. The lawyer calls my parents, saying that Emily's not who she says she is. Emily Skibarius is actually Samantha Azapati, and she's 23, not 15. The whole story, like her family and going to France for Christmas. The murder-suicide, living with the judge in Florida. It was this elaborate lie. I was devastated. This sister that I had always dreamed of wasn't actually the person who I thought I knew. But what about Emily's Facebook page with all those photos and videos of her competing in gymnastics competitions? Surely that couldn't be fake, could it? I had no reason to disbelieve who she said she was as a gymnast. It seemed legit. Nothing about that online presence made me suspicious. The whole of social media is a kind of make-believe world where you're never quite sure whether what you see is true or not. 
My name is Jamie Bartlett. I specialise in internet subcultures and social media. Every single one of us, in a small way or large, is a fraudster. We exaggerate our good moments. We take hundreds of photographs of ourselves and make sure we only show the one that's in the best light so we look the best. The thing I've studied the most is how criminals and con artists actually use social media to manipulate people. So I've got um, a Facebook page here, Emily Skiberis, gymnast ready to compete, set up in 30th of August 2011. It's still live, so it's totally here. It's um, kind of unchanged, frozen in time, I suppose. So I'm, I'm looking at it as it would have been seen then. First impressions of this, I mean, it looks really like a normal Facebook page. Three and a half thousand people like it. You never really see a close-up photo straight on of the gymnast herself. So you don't know exactly what this gymnast actually looks like. So if I take the photo of her, then do something called a reverse image search, it will show you if that image of this gymnast has ever been used anywhere else. So I've found a match. But here, this isn't Emily Skiberas. It's a Russian gymnast, but she's called Ksenia Afanasieva. What Samantha has done is found a sort of relatively obscure gymnast, taken a picture of hers, cut it and cropped it a little bit, made it her profile picture and called herself Emily Skiberas. Emily Skiberas has three and a half thousand people who like her page and lots of people that like every post. It is incredibly cheap, and it was incredibly cheap back then, to just buy that. You can buy 500 likes on Facebook for $30. You can just buy loads of friends, you can buy interactions. Basically, whatever you need to sort of create a believable profile is available just to buy. It's certainly not something that ordinary punters were aware of, like that you could go on Facebook and buy loads of fake followers and friends and interactions. But well, they just hadn't heard of any. This is 2011, 2012. Most people had only been on Facebook for about a um, six months or a year at most. So she's all really quite a long way ahead of the curve doing all of this stuff. Samantha Zapardi was using techniques, spotting weaknesses in technologies that five, ten years later, a lot of other people, politicians and big companies and, and other criminals online were doing as well. But she was doing it before most people. She is clearly incredibly gifted. Back in Perth in 2011, events are spiralling. Here's hope again. So my parents had found out Emily wasn't who she said she was. Not long after, Mum gets a call from the WA Ford Squad. 
They're asking questions because Emily is under suspicion of fraud. Mum thinks Emily is packing up her bags to do a runner. She contacted the police. 30 minutes later, the WA4 squad turned up on the doorstep. Sam gets charged for defrauding Social Security. I'm guessing this is how she had money to live. After Sam's arrest, she is admitted to Greylands Hospital, which is a psychiatric hospital here in Perth, for six weeks. There was a lot of anger, a lot of betrayal. For someone to come into your family and make themselves a part of it, and then rip that all away and be someone completely different. You, like, you can't describe that. I had a fair amount of pictures of her and also text messages. I deleted everything. I didn't want any memories or any reminders of what we had, essentially. It was like going through a breakup. In fact, I would describe that as my first ever breakup. I was heartbroken. My name is Dr. Richard Frierson. I am a professor of psychiatry at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Columbia, South Carolina. I've testified in court over 300 times, but I've probably evaluated several thousand criminal defendants over the past uh, 25, 30 years that I've been doing this. I wanted to say that I've never personally evaluated Samantha as a party. Uh, I'm reading through her files, her police reports, media accounts of what she did. I'm reading what her victims have said about what happened. It was interesting to me to put all the pieces together and say, what is going on here? It would appear that Samantha, she needs to belong and she needs attachment, which she cannot do without. Her parents divorced when she was one. So there's an early sort of loss in her life. And then she moved around so frequently in elementary school. I think she had 13 elementary schools. And with this type of history, you really wonder about its effect on her ability to form attachments. What struck me the most was how quickly she latched on to hope. Being empty, not having a sense of identity, you identify by being part of another group of people because you don't have your own self-identity. That looks to me like elements of borderline personality disorder. Borderline personality disorder uh, is a disorder that tends to be long-standing and pervasive. It involves difficulty with 
regulating one's emotions and managing interpersonal relationships with other people. But there are some other things in the hope situation that stick out to me as well. The fact that some of these lies that she tells aren't necessary to assimilate herself into the family. That she is a Russian gymnast who is number one in her age group. That's not something that is necessarily consistent with borderline personality disorder. It makes me wonder about potentially something else. Sydney 2014. An 18-year-old backpacker from the United States arrives on her first overseas trip. Fresh-faced and trusting, she has no idea she's about to be drawn into Samantha Azapati's vortex of lies and play a starring role in a bizarre game of pretend with serious consequences. It's a hard pill to swallow because I feel like the innocence I had, it's different now. It's, the innocence is gone. The ability to feel, like, just be free and feel free, it's, those moments are few and far between now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My name is Emmy. I'm 26 years old. I'm a nurse, and I'm from Santa Barbara, California. I graduated high school when I was 17. I didn't, I didn't really necessarily have a plan plan except for go to college, see what happens. And I thought it would be badass to be a writer. <laughs> Emmy, the writer. I could do that. My professor, he was like, well, you're never going to find anything to write about in this classroom, so may as well get out there and go see the world and figure out what you want to write about. So, yeah, I kind of had it in my head after that. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to have a blog. I'm going to be a travel writer.
backpacking in Australia was the best time of my life. That was like what I pictured travel was going to be. It was fun to like go out with everyone and I don't know, we did a bunch of stuff together. I guess Anika was staying at the hostel with us, um, but I remember meeting her on our way to the opera house. Did all of our walking around, taking pictures, whatever. And everyone wanted to go get some food. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna like go and do my own thing because I didn't eat meat. And she was like, oh, I'm a vegetarian too. I'll go with you. And I was like, oh, okay. She was from Sweden and she was 18. I do remember like people kind of um, not liking her in our little group, like kind of thinking that she was a little weird and strange. I mean, I didn't quite catch the weirdness. I just thought she's Swedish, like. Eventually, I got to know her a little more. She told me that she was an airline heiress. And um, I think probably a part of me was like, okay, sounds good to me. She was a little secretive about everything, I would say. But I kind of imagine like if you're a rich girl traveling, maybe you have to be secretive. If you're an airline heiress, When I started asking more questions, she was like, well, I do have to tell you something. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And she's like, I'm not exactly an airline heiress. I am the daughter of Interpol agents. I was like, your parents are spies? Like, cool. She basically grew up running her whole life. And so she'd been in different private schools in different countries, and she showed me all these pictures of her. Like, oh, here's when I was in Denmark, here's when I was in Sweden, and this European country and that European country. And I have keepers, because my parents are Interpol agents, so I have people that take care of me everywhere that I go. So the days go on, and she got an email. And she goes like, weird. Something's off about my medical. My brain scans say that I'm, I'm 14. And I'm like, do you think you're 14? And she's like, well, I can't remember the last time I had a birthday. This is the moment where, like, I can specifically remember, like, everything shifting. All of a sudden, this, like, cool 18-year-old girl, she's not this person anymore. She's a 14-year-old little girl who doesn't have a birthday, has only seen the world through her keeper's eyes, and has parents that she doesn't see. It just kind of turned into a really sad story, which definitely kept me in her web. Like, 
I loved her. I was protecting her from imminent danger. Like, who would believe that story? We love stories. And all of us are susceptible to being tricked. My name is Rira Tobin. I'm a professor of cognitive science, and I study how stories in books and films take advantage of the way that we think to create their effects. When people find a story compelling, they let down their guard. They're easily persuaded. They don't think about the details of what might not make sense. They're just swept away by it. Con tricks are like a film or a movie. They need to capture your attention. And then they need to pull you along and keep you engaged and get you to pay attention to certain kinds of things and pay less attention to other kinds of things. But the one thing that's different about them is that when you read a novel or you go see a film, it's supposed to work on everybody. But the con game, it is directed at exactly one person, minute to minute. You're the only target audience. It's customized for you. Sydney 2014. Caught up in Annika's world, wannabe writer Emmy is about to find herself at the centre of a dark and twisted story. We didn't have Wi-Fi. So we went into the Apple store, and that's when she got an email. She said, oh no, they have all of your information. Oh no, this is not good. And I'm like, who's they? And um, what do you mean they have all my information? She never explicitly said they were anyone in particular just like boogeyman, kind of like bad people. There's just pages of stuff about me. My family's names, their addresses, their phone numbers, things about my friends. It had passwords of mine, legit. Just a lot of information that I, it didn't seem like you could Google at the time. The craziest one, me and my mom came up with a funny, like, code word, blue bananas. So if I ever texted her or emailed her or Facebook messaged her this word, like, it was her cue to get on a flight and come find me. This code word, blue bananas, was in this file. And when I read it, like, my heart just, like, dropped. I felt like that piece of information solely lived within my brain. And so I was like, what does this mean? And she says, well, this means that the people that have been after me my whole life, they know that I'm traveling with you. I definitely was like, huh, why do they care 
about me? And, and the answer was like, well, if they can't find me, they'll find you. They'll try to get information out of you. They'll go for your family. And I was like, okay, but now I'm just involved in this. Like, how do I get myself out? And she basically was like, you don't. So in order to keep you safe, now we have to stick together. And I was like, fuck. That's when we went on the run. She started training me on how to be a little Interpol agent. She taught me how to lie. And the way that she taught me was, if there's a little bit of truth in your lie, you can make it run for miles. We would be in a restaurant. Okay, who's the biggest threat here? How many exits are there? Okay, if you sit here, what are your blind spots? How many people were white? How many people were black? She was always making sure I was extremely aware of people and their body language. And that's when she said, I needed a new identity. I was under the impression that me and everyone that I loved was in danger. The fear kind of like really set in where I was like, oh shit. I'm scared out of my fucking mind. Next time on Congo. She's a victim of a pedophile ring. The people that she's been telling me about, they found us. What do they mean kidnapping? The lies are getting bigger and bigger. And it just keeps you hooked. My mindset switched to pure panic. How the fuck did I get here?